Welcome to Always Reading Novels and Watching Movies. This is the podcast that's all about novels, movies, and TV shows. Today I'm talking about novels because novels are the books that I talk about the most. And specifically I'm talking about historical fiction. Historical fiction is my favorite genre to read of fiction, but I have no interest or desire whatsoever to read anything about World War II. There are so many historical fiction authors that write specifically, strictly World War II fiction. So I have found historical fiction authors that do not write about World War II. So if you love historical fiction like I do and you are not interested in World War II, then here are some authors that you may love. I have not read every single one of their books. Some of them I haven't read any of their books, but they are on my list to read. And I'm excited about that. Historical fiction always has something going on in a certain time period, usually. And it doesn't have to be so much back then. It could even be the 1970s. Some people even consider past the 1970s historical fiction. But for me, I feel like... It would be 1970s and earlier. But either way, so many historical fictions center their entire novels around World War II. But with these authors that I'm going to be talking about, they center their novels around women. Certain events might be going on, but they don't center that as much as the women themselves. So I love books that center women characters And I'm really glad that all of these authors do that. Like I said, I haven't read them all, but like I know what they're about and I know that I want to read them. So I can read the descriptions of some of their novels just to give you an idea. And I can find that on, you can find that on Goodreads and I'll spell their names out so you know. And if you want to look for them, you can. Beatrice Williams is one of my favorite authors and I have read a lot of her books. Luckily, she has written a lot of books. So you have a lot to look forward to if you want to read her. B-E-A-T-R-I-Z-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S. So I love her books and she is one of my favorite authors because she focuses on the female character. They are the center of her novels and they are all strong women that she completely makes up on her own. And she does so much research and is very knowledgeable about things so it's fun to read and sometimes she has dual timelines which which are always great so you have that to look forward to if you want to get into her books so I'll tell you what some of them are and I have not read them all so I'm really glad that I have a lot of her books still to read let's see I will tell you what Tiny Little Thing is about. That was the first book I read of hers, and I love it. So, this was published in 2015. In the summer of 1966, Christina Hardcastle, called Tiny, to her, to her illustrious family, stands on the brink of a breathtaking future. Of the three Schuller sisters, and I don't know if I pronounced that right, but that's the name, that's the last name of them. S.C. H-U-Y-L-E-R. I've listened to interviews that Beatrice has talked about and and said their name, but I don't remember how to pronounce it. She's the one raised to marry a man destined for leadership. And with her elegance and impeccable style, she presents a perfect camera-ready image 
in the dawning age of television politics. Together, she and her husband, Frank, make the ultimate power couple, intelligent, rich, and impossibly attractive. It seems nothing can stop Frank from rising to national office, and he's got his sights set on a Senate seat in November. But as the season gets underway at the family estate on Cape Cod, three unwelcome visitors appear in Tiny's perfect life. Her volatile sister, Pepper, an envelope containing incriminating photography, photograph and the intimidating figure of frank's cousin vietnam war hero caspian who knows more about tiny's rich inner life than anyone else as she struggles to maintain the glossy facade facade on which the hardcastle family's ambitions are built tiny begins to suspect that frank is hiding a reckless entanglement of his own one that may unravel both her own ordered life and her husband's promising career that one was a fun one. And they had stuff in there that I didn't see coming. So with her books, they will always have twists, surprises, secrets, and drama. So I love that. That's really fun. And it's always historical fiction because it's from back then. And it always focuses on the woman as a strong person and the main center of the whole entire story. So that's why I love hers. And that's something that you can find out through all of her novels so another one the summer wives this was published in 2018 i have not read this yet new york times bestselling author beatrice williams brings us the blockbuster novel of the season an electric electrifying post-war fable of love class power and redemption set among the inhabitants of an island off the new england coast in the summer of 1951 miranda Schuyler again i don't know how to say that arrives on elite secretive winthrop island as a schoolgirl from the margins of high society still reeling from the loss of her father in the second world war when our beautiful mother marries hugh fisher whose summer house on winthrop overlooks the famous lighthouse miranda's cat catapulted into a heady new world of pedigrees and cocktails status and swimming pools isabel fisher Miranda's new stepsister, all long legs and world-weary bravado, engaged to a wealthy island scion, is eager to draw Miranda into the arcane customs of Winthrop society. But beneath the island's patrician surface, there are really two clans, the summer families with their steadfast ways and quiet obsessions and the working class of Portuguese fishermen and domestic workers who earn their living on the water and in the laundries of the summer houses. Uneasy among Isabel's privileged friends, Miranda finds herself drawn to Joseph Vargas, whose father keeps a lighthouse with his mysterious wife. In summer, Joseph helps his father in the lobster boats, but in the autumn, he returns to Brown University, where he is determined to make something of himself. Since childhood, Joseph enjoyed an intense, complex friendship with Isabel Fisher, and as the summer winds to its end, Miranda's caught in a catastrophe that will shatter Winthrop's hard-won tranquility and banish Miranda from the island for nearly two decades. Now, in the landmark summer of 1969, Miranda returns at last as a renowned Shakespearean actress hiding a terrible heartbreak. On its surface, the island remains the same, determined to keep the outside world from its shores, fiercely loyal to those who belong, but the formerly powerful Fisher family is a shadow of itself and joseph vargas has recently escaped the prison where he was incarcerated for the murder of miranda's stepfather 18 years earlier what's more miranda herself is no longer a naive teenager and she begins a fierce and inexorable quest for justice for the man she once loved even if it means uncovering every last one of the secrets that bind together the families of winthrop island 
Okay, I'll read the description for one more. Um, let's see. Okay. Oh, there's just so many, I'm telling you. And some of them are like a series. So that's cool. But, okay. The Golden Hour. 2019. The New York Times bestselling author of The Summer Wives in a Certain Age creates a dazzling epic of World War II era Nasu, a hotbed of spies, traitors, and the most infamous couple of the age, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. The Bahamas 1941 newly widowed Leonora Lulu Randolph arrives in Nassau don't know how to say that to investigate the governor and his wife for a new york society magazine after all america american readers have an insatiable appetite for news of the duke and duchess of windsor that glamorous couple whose love affair nearly brought the british monarchy to its knees five years earlier what more intriguing backup for the romance than a wartime caribbean paradise a colonial background for kingpins of ill-gotten empires, or so Lulu imagines. But as she infiltrates the Duke and Duchess's social circle and the powerful cabal that controls the island's political and financial affairs, she uncovers evidence that beneath the glister of Wallace and Edward's marriage lies an ugly and even treasonous reality. In fact, Windsor-era Nasu seethes with spies, financial swindlers, and racial tension. In the middle of it all stands, and in the middle of it all stands Benedict Thorpe, a scientist of tremendous charm and murky national loyalties, inevitably the willful and wounded Lulu falls in love. Then Nasu's wealthiest man is murdered in one of the most notorious cases of the century and the resulting cover-up reeks of royal privilege. Benedict Thorpe disappears without a trace and Lulu embarks on a journey to London and beyond to unpick Thorpe's complicated family history, a fateful love affair, a wartime tragedy, and a mother from whom all joy is stolen. The stories of two unforgettable women thread together in this extraordinary epic of espionage sacrifice human love and human courage set against a shocking true crime and the rise and fall of a legendary royal couple i haven't read that one yet okay so now the first book that she wrote was called overseas i have not read that i wish these were in order mm-hmm. the second one was a hundred summers i read that one the third one was the secret life of violet grant the next one along the infinite sea the next one is a certain age and then coco beach no a certain age the wicked city coco beach And then the glass, oh, never mind. That was with two other authors. So she does write books with two other authors. So that's cool. With Lauren Willig and Karen White. They wrote a few together. That was one of them. Um, What's the other one? The Summer Wives. Oh, Tiny Little Thing. That was back, that was, see, okay. You know what? I just can't read these in order because they're not in order. But Her Last Flight, The Beach at Summerlee was her latest, The Wicked Redhead, The Wicked Widow. That's a that's a series. The Wicked City, The Wicked Redhead, and The Wicked Widow is a series. 
So that's all of them. Like I said, I didn't read them in the right order. Our Woman in Moscow. That's another one. So yeah, The Golden Hour. Okay. So she has quite a bit. She has quite a few. And um, she writes consistently. So that's that's what I was going to say. If you love an author, if you have your, if you have a favorite author and they write consistently like one to two books every year, that's even better because you have that to look forward to. So if you really get into her books, don't worry. There's always more coming. So that's good. Okay, on to the next author. Carrie Maher. So I read, I think just one of her books. K-E-R-R-I-M-A-H-E-R. So with her books, they are centered around events that have happened. But it's not World War II, so don't worry. So they will focus on an event or historical figure. And I've only read one of them. The one I read was The Girl in White Gloves, which is about Grace Kelly, 2020. And I love everything about Grace Kelly, so I'll read books about her and everything. The description for this book is A Life in Snapshots. Grace knows what people see. She's the Cinderella story, an icon of glamour and elegance, frozen and dazzling technicolor. The perf the picture of perfection, the girl in white gloves, a woman in living color, but beyond but behind the lens, beyond the panoramic views of glistening Mediterranean azure, she knows the truth. The sacrifices it takes for an unappreciated girl from Philadelphia to defy her family and become the reigning queen of the screen. The heartbreaking reasons she trades Hollywood for a crown, the loneliness of being a princess in a fairy tale kingdom that is all too real. Hardest of all for her adoring fans and loyal subjects to comprehend is the harsh reality that to be the most envied woman in the world does not mean she is the happiest starved for affection and purpose facing a labyrinth of romantic and social expectations with more twists and turns than Monaco's infamous winding roads grace must find her own way to fulfillment but what she risks her art her family her marriage she may never get back so the reason i love this book is because i love grace clay i love i've watched movies she was in i've read a biography of hers and like just everything about her was so elegant and beautiful so what i appreciate about this book the most is how carrie gave her own take and view of Grace Kelly. She brought her life in this novel and what she saw her as, and she did her research. So that is so much fun. And it's gotta be very daunting and scary to bring a person to life in a novel that has really existed in real life. So Grace Kelly was a real person. And she's not alive anymore to like interview and ask questions and like be with her to get to know her and all that. So you have to go by what there is out there. And I really think that it is definitely something that can be hard to do, but the way that Carrie did it was beautiful. It was so beautiful and I love her take on it. So I really loved that book and I rated it five stars and I could read you all the descriptions because she doesn't have as many. So she has four books. And that was her first one. These I can read in order because there's not as many books. I just wish they would put it in order though and I don't know why. I just don't think. Okay, so 
That was in 2020. Actually, no, that was not the first book. That was the second book. The first one she wrote was called The Kennedy Debutante. So that was in 2018. A captivating novel following the exploits of Kathleen Kick Kennedy, the forgotten and rebellious daughter of one of America's greatest political dynasties. London, 1938, the effervescent it girl of London society since her father was named the ambassador Kathleen Kick Kennedy, moves in rarefied circles, rubbing satin-covered elbows with some of the 20th century's most powerful figures. Eager to escape the watchful eye of her strict mother, Rose, the antics of her older brothers, Jack and Joe, and the erratic behavior of her sister's Rosemary, of her sister, Rosemary, Kick is ready to strike out on her own and is soon swept off her feet by Billy Hardington, the future Duke of Devonshire. But their love is forbidden as Kick's devout Catholic family and Billy's staunchly Protestant one would never approve their match. When war breaks like a tidal wave across her world, Billy is ripped from her arms as the Kennedys are forced to return to the States. Kick gets work as a journalist and joins the Red Cross to get back to England, where she will have to decide where her true loyalties lie, with family or with love. I haven't read that one. So the only one I've read of hers is The Girl in White Gloves. And the one after that is 2022, The Paris Bookseller. The dramatic story of how a humble bookseller fought against incredible odds to bring one of the most important books of the 20th century to the world in this new novel from the author of The Girl in White Gloves. When bookish young American Sylvia Beach opens Shakespeare and Company on a quiet street in Paris in 1919, she has no idea that she and her new bookstore will change the course of literature itself. Shakespeare and Company is more than a bookstore and lending library. Many of the prominent writers of the lost generation, like Ernest Hemingway, consider it a second home. It's where some of the most important literary friendships of the 20th century are forged, none more so than the one between Irish writer James Joyce and Sylvia herself. When Joyce's controversial novel, Ulysses, is banned, Beach takes a massive risk and publishes publishes it under the auspices of Shakespeare and Company. But the success and notoriety of publishing the most infamous and influential book of the century comes with steep costs. The future of her beloved bookstore itself is threatened when Ulysses' success brings other publishers to woo Joyce away. Her most cherished relationships are put to the test as Paris is plunged deeper into the depression and many expatriate friends return to America. As she faces painful personal and financial crises, Sylvia, a woman who has made it her mission to honor the life-changing impact of books, must decide what Shakespeare and company truly means to her. So you see what I mean? Like, her books are centered around an event in history or a person in history or both. So, like, things could be happening in the background, but that's not the focus. And the last one is, all you have to do is call 2023. A dramatic and inspiring novel based on the true story of the Jane Collective and the brave women who fought for the right to choose from the national best-selling author of the Paris bookseller. Chicago, early 1970s. Who does a girl call when she needs help? Jane. The best-known secret in the city, Jane is a women's health organization and composed entirely of women helping women, freeing them from the expectations of society and family. Veronica, James' 
Jane's founder prides herself on the services she has provided to thousands of women. Yet the price of others' freedom is that she leads a double life. When she's not at Jane, Veronica plays the role of a conventional housewife, which becomes even more difficult during her own high-risk pregnancy. Two more women in Veronica's neighborhood are grappling with similar disconnects. Margaret, a young professor at the University of Chicago, secretly volunteers at Jane as she falls in love with a man whose attitude towards his ex-wife increasingly disturbs her. Patty, who's been content as a devoted wife and mother, has begun to sense that something essential is missing from her life. When her runaway younger sister Eliza shows up unexpectedly, Patty is forced to come to terms with what it really means to love and support a sister. In this historical moment, when the personal was nothing if not political, when television, movies, and commercials told women they'd come a long way, baby, Veronica, Margaret, and Patty must make choices that will change the course of their lives forever. I want to read all of her books, but the only one I've read is The Girl in White Gloves. So another author is Kate Quinn, K-A-T-E-Q-U-I-N-N. A lot of people know about her, so you might know. She's very popular, and her books seem really exciting. I still haven't read any of them. I can't believe I still haven't read any of them, but I have all of them. I have two of them in physical form. One is paperback, one is hardcover, and I have two of them in ebook form. So I think she's written four so far. And she continues to write more, as does Carrie Mayher and Beatrice Williams. So these are authors that continuously write, like every year. So Kate Quinn's first book is the one that everyone knows about. The Alice Network, 2017. In an enthralling new historical novel from national best-selling author Kate Quinn, two women, a female spy recruited to the real-life Alice Network in France during World War I and an unconventional American socialite searching for her cousin in 1947, are brought together in a mesmerizing story of courage and redemption. 1947, in the chaotic aftermath of World War II, American college girl Charlie St. Clair is pregnant, unmarried, and on the verge of being thrown out of her very proper family. She's also nursing a desperate hope that her beloved cousin Rose, who disappeared in Nazi-occupied France during the war, might still be alive. So when Charlie's parents banish her to Europe to have her little problem taken care of, Charlie breaks free and and heads to London, determined to find out what happened to the cousin she loves like a sister. 1915, a year into the Great War, Eve Gardner burns to join the fight against the Germans and unexpectedly gets gets her chance when she's recruited to work as a spy. Set into enemy-occupied France, she's trained by the mesmerizing Lily, codename Alice, the Queen of Spies, who manages a vast network of secret agents right under the enemy's nose. Thirty years later, haunted by the betrayal that ultimately tore apart the Alice network, Eve spends her days drunk and secluded in her crumbling London house. Until a young American barges in uttering a name Eve hasn't heard in decades and launches them both on a mission to find the truth no matter where it leads. I like books about spies too. So I know that can be related to wars, but you know what? It doesn't... A lot of times when books are about spies, they focus on the character that is a spy more than anything else. So the next one is The Huntress. In the aftermath, in the aftermath of war, the hunter becomes the hunted. Bold and fearless, Nina Markova always dreamed of flying. When the Nazis attacked the Soviet Union, she risked everything to join the legendary Night Witches, an all-female night bomber regiment 
wreaking havoc on the invading Germans. When she is stranded behind enemy lines, Nina becomes the prey of a lethal Nazi murderess known as a huntress, and only Nina's bravery and cunning will keep her alive. Transformed by the horrors he witnessed from Omaha Beach to the Nuremberg Trials, British war correspondent Ian Graham has become a Nazi hunter. Yet one target eludes him, a vicious predator known as the Huntress. To find her, the fierce, disciplined investigator joins forces with the only witness to escape the Huntress alive, the brazen cocksure Nina. But a shared secret could derail their mission unless Ian and Nina forced themselves to confront it. Growing up in post-war Boston, 17-year-old Jordan McBride is determined to become a photographer. When her long-widowed father unexpectedly comes home with a new fiancé, Jordan is thrilled. But there is something disconcerting about the soft-spoken German widow. Certain that danger is lurking, Jordan begins to delve into her new stepmother's past, only to discover that there are mysteries buried deep in her family, secrets that may threaten all Jordan holds dear. In this immersive, heart-wrenching story, Kate Quinn illuminates the consequences of war on individual lives and the price we pay to seek justice and truth. So, her books are of things that actually happened and existed in the world. So she does a lot of research, too. 2022, The Diamond Eye. No. 2021, The Rose Code. That's the next one. The Rose Code. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of The Huntress and the Alice Network returns with another heart-stopping World War II story. But like I said, it doesn't... I know it doesn't focus on the actual World War II. It's like more focusing on the characters and other things. It's just... It's not the main focus. So that's why I consider it not just so focused on that. Story of three female code breakers at Bletchley Park and the spy they must root out after the war is over. So her books always focus on very strong female characters. 1940, as England prepares to fight the Nazis, three very different women answer the call to mysterious country estate Bletchley Park. Bletchley Park, where the best minds in Britain train to break German military codes. Vivacious debutante Osla or Osla, is the girl who has everything, beauty, wealth, and the dashing Prince Philip of Greece, sending her roses, but she burns to prove herself as more than a society girl and puts her fluent German to use as a translator of decoded enemy secrets. Imperious, self-made Mab, product of East London, East End London poverty, works the legendary code-breaking machines as she conceals old wounds and looks for a socially advantageous husband. Both Osla and Mab are quick to see the potential in local vi- village spinster Beth, whose shyness conceals a brilliant facility with puzzles, and soon Beth spreads her wings as one of the park's few female cryptanalysts. But war, loss, and the possible pressure of secrecy will tear the three apart. But that's why, even if her even if World War II is happening in her books, she focuses on the lives of these women more than anything else, and that's what it's really about. 1947, as the royal wedding of Princess Elizabeth and Prince Philip whips post-war Britain into a fever, three friends turned enemies are reunited by a mysterious encrypted letter, the key to which lies buried in the long-ago betrayal that destroyed their friendship and left one of them confined to an asylum. A mysterious traitor has emerged from the shadows of their Bletchley Park past, and now Osla, Mab, and Beth must resurrect their old alliance and crack one last code together. But each petal they removed from the Rose Code brings danger and their true enemy. So the last one she wrote was The Diamond Eye, 2022. 
The New York Times bestselling author of The Rose Code returns with an unforgettable World War II tale of a quiet bookworm who becomes history's deadliest female sniper. Spies, snipers, code breakers, that's what I'm talking about. That is what it is centered on. Those women characters that are very strong. In 19, based on a true story, in 1937 in the snowbound city of Kyiv, I don't know how to pronounce that either, but I know it's Ukraine, Rye and bookish history student Mila Pavlichenko organizes her life around her library job and her young son, but Hitler's invasion of Ukraine and Russia sends her on a different path. Given a rifle and sent to join the fight, Mila must forge herself from studious girl to deadly sniper, a lethal hunter of Nazis known as Lady Death. When news of her 300th kill makes her a national heroine, Mila finds herself torn from the bloody battlefields of the Eastern Front and sent to America on a goodwill tour. Still reeling from war wounds and devastated by loss, Mila finds herself isolated and lonely in the glittering world of Washington, D.C. until an unexpected friendship with First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt and an even more unexpected connection with a silent fellow sniper offer the possibility of happiness. But when an old enemy from Mila's past joins forces with a deadly new foe lurking in the shadows, Lady Death finds herself battling her own demons and enemy bullets in the deadliest duel of her life. Based on a true story, The Diamond Eye is a haunting novel of heroism born of desperation, of a mother who became a soldier, of a woman who found her place in the world and changed the course of history forever. So if it weren't for the women characters that she focuses so heavily on in their lives, I wouldn't like it because a lot of it is World War II in the background. But like I said, that is not of what it focuses on. It focuses on the women. I know that some books do, but I just... I just like how, I don't know, how her books seem to not go so much into all those details, but really focus on the lives of these women that the books are about. So the next author is Brooke Leah Foster. So I loved the book I read of hers. And she has written a few, continues to write new ones. So the one I read of hers is called On Gin Lane, and I loved it. But she wrote another one before that called Summer Darlings, and I haven't read that. And then her next one is called All the Summers in Between. So she has three. The third one is not out yet. So Summer Darlings was in 2020. Set during the splendid summer days of the night of 1960s Martha's Vineyard, this page-turning debut novel pulls back the curtain on one mysterious and wealthy family as seen through the eyes of their nanny, a colleague, a college student who, while falling in love on the elegant island, is forced to reckon with the dark underbelly of privilege. In 1962, co-ed Hetty Winsome leaves her hardscrabble Irish Brooklyn neighborhood behind and ferries to glamorous Martha's Vineyard to nanny for one of the wealthiest families on the island. But as she grows enamored with the alluring and seemingly perfect young couple and chases after their two mischievous children, Hetty discovers that her academic scholarship at Wesley has been revoked, putting her entire future at risk. Determined to find her place in the couple's wealthy social circles, Hetty nurtures a romance with a hip surfer down the beach while wondering if the man, if the better man for her might be quiet, studious college boy instead. 
but no one she meets on the Summer Island socialite Starlight or Housekeeper is as picture perfect as they seem. And she quickly learns that the right last name in a house in a Tony zip code may guarantee privilege, but that rarely equals happiness. Rich with the sights and sounds of mid-century Martha's Vineyard, Brooklyn Foster's debut novel, Summer Darlings, promises entrance to a rarefied world for readers who enjoyed tires in red weather or the summer wives. The second one, which is the one I read, Anjan Lane, 2022. After her fiancé whisked her off to the glistening shores of Southampton in June of 1957, one young socialite begins to realize that her glamorous summer is giving her everything, except what she really wants. In this new novel from the author of Summer Darlings, one terrific summer read, Everly Lee Farrows thinks she finally has life all figured out. A handsome fiancé named Roland, a trust in her name, and a house in Bronxville waiting for her to fill it with three adorable children. That is, until Roland brings her out to the Hamptons for a summer that will change everything. Most women could only dream of the engagement present Roland unexpectedly bestows on Lee. A beachside hotel on the prized gin lane, but Lee's delight is clouded by unpleasant memories of another hotel, the plaza, where she grew up in the shadow of her mother's mental illness. Shaking off flashbacks, Lee resolves to dive into an unforgettable summer with poolside bellinis, daily tennis matches, luncheons with her Manhattan circle, and her beloved camera in tow. But when tragedy strikes on the hotel's opening weekend, the cracks in Lee's perfect picture-perfect future slowly begins to reveal themselves, and Lee must look deep within herself to determine if if the life she's always wanted will ever be truly enough. From the regal inns to the farmland, the well-heeled New Yorkers to the bohemian artists, the east end of Long Island is a hodgepodge of the changing American landscape in the late 1950s, and the perfect place for Lee to discover who she really is. I really like this one because it focuses on her, and she becomes independent and goes after what she wants. So the next one... I think it will be released either this year or next. When wealthy, impulsive summer girl Margot meets hardworking and steady local girl Thea in the summer of 1967, the unlikely pair become fast friends, working alongside one another in a record store and spending every spare moment together. But after an unspeakable incident on one devastating August night, they don't see another for 10 years until Margot suddenly reappears in Thea's life, begging for help and harboring more than one dangerous secret. Thea can't bring herself to refuse her beloved friend, but she also knows she can't fully trust her either. Unfulfilled as a housewife, Thea enjoys the dazzling sense of adventure Margot brings to her life. But will the truth of what happened to them that fateful summer ruin everything? Testing the boundaries of how far she'll go for a friend, Thea is forced to reckon with her uncertain future while trying to decide if some friends are meant to remain in the past. Set in the dual timelines of 1967 and 1977, all the summers in between is at once a mesmerizing portrait of a complex friendship, a delicious glimpse into a bygone Hamptons, and a powerful coming of age for two young women during a transformative era. So how you spell her name is B-R-O-O-K-E-L-E-A-F-O-S-T-E-R. The next one is Fiona Davis. I love listening to how she constructs her books, and I've um, listened to her talk about it. So she has, like, a structure she goes with, and she's one of those writers that plans it, where it's always a mystery. A mystery is always involved in her books. And I haven't read any of them yet, but I have some of them. So I want to read them, though, because something always happens and you want to know what's what's going to come of it. 
and she continues to write new ones. So something always, you just have to figure it out as you read it, what's going to happen, because there's mystery involved in all of them. And someone has to go through obstacles. And the main character is, is women. So all of these books are centered on women. All of these writers have books, write books that are centered on women. So I'm not going to read every description for every one of her books. But her first one was 2016, The Dollhouse. Her second one was 2019, The Chelsea Girls. The next one was The Lions of Fifth Avenue. Actually, okay. Whatever, that's the wrong order. Another one was The Address. Another one was The Magnolia Palace. Another one was The Masterpiece. The Spectacular was 2023. And... That's all of them so far. So there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven novels. I will read a description for two of them. Or maybe three, I'm not sure. So The Spectacular was her latest. New York Times bestselling author Fiona Davis transports us back to 1950s Manhattan and the glamorous Radio City Music Hall. New York City, 1956, 19-year-old Marion is over the moon to have been selected to be one of the Rockettes. Radio City Music Hall's glamorous precision dancing trope. It's an honor to perform in the world's most spectacular theater. An art deco masterpiece, but with four shows a day, as well as grueling rehearsals, not to mention exacting standards of perfection to live up to, Marianne quickly realizes that the life of a rockette has both extraordinary highs and devastating lows. Then one night, a bomb explodes in the theater. It's only the latest in a string of explosions around the city orchestrated by a person the press has nicknamed the Big, Big Apple Bomber. They have been terrorizing the citizens of New York for 16 years by planting bombs in popular crowded spaces. With the public in an uproar over the lack of any real leads after a years-long manhunt, the police, at Marion's urging, turn in desperation to a radical new technique, psychological profiling. As Marion finds herself pulled deeper into the investigation, she realizes that as much as she's been training herself to blend in, performing in perfect unison with all the other identical rockets, if she hopes to catch the bomber, she'll need to stand out and take a terrifying risk. But she may be forced to sacrifice everything she's worked for, as well as the people she loves the most. Okay. So another one is The Chelsea Girls, 2019. From Fiona Davis, the nationally best-selling author of The Dollhouse and the Address, the bright lights of the theater district, the glamour and danger of 1950s New York, and the wild scene at the iconic Chelsea Hotel come together in a dazzling new novel about the 20-year friendship that will irrevocably change two women's lives. From the dramatic red brick facade to the sleeping staircase dripping with art, the Chelsea Hotel has long been New York City's creative oasis for the many artists, writers, musicians, actors, filmmakers, and poets who have called it home. A scene playwright Hazel Riley and actress Maxine Med are determined to use their advantage. 
are determined to use to their advantage, yet they soon discover that the greatest obstacle to putting up a show on Broadway has nothing to do with their art and everything to do with politics. A red scare is sweeping across America, and Senator Joseph McCarthy has started a witch hunt for communists with those in the entertainment industry in the crosshairs. As the pressure builds to build na- as the pressure builds to name names, it is more than Hazel and Maxine's Broadway dreams that may suffer as they grapple with the terrible consequences, but also their livelihood, their friendship, and even their freedom. Spanning from the 1940s to the 1960s, the Chelsea Hotel, the Chelsea Girls, def- deftly pulls back the curtain on the desperate political pressures of McCarthyism, the complicated bonds of female friendship, and the siren call of the uninhibited Chelsea Hotel. So with Fiona Davis's novels, the thing that you will notice is that they are centered around a landmark, a place. So with the Chelsea Girls, it is the Chelsea Hotel. With the Spectacular, it is Radio City Music Hall. Is that what it's called? Where the Rockettes were. Another one, the Lions of Fifth Avenue is centered around the library. This was in... 2020, The Lions of Fifth Avenue, and nationally bestselling author Fiona Davis's latest historical novel, A Series of Book Thefts, roils the iconic New York Public Library, leaving two generations of strong-willed women to pick up the pieces. In 1913, and on the surface, Laura Lyons couldn't ask for more out of life. Her husband is a superintendent of the New York Public Library, allowing their family to live in an apartment within the grand building, and they are blessed with two children. But headstrong, passionate Laura wants more, and when she takes a leap of faith and applies to the Columbia Journalism School, her world is cracked wide open. As her studies take her all over the city, she finds herself drawn to Greenwich Village's New Bohemia, where she discovers the Heterodoxy Club, a radical all-female group in which women are encouraged to loudly share their opinions on suffrage, birth control, and women's rights. Soon, Laura finds herself questioning her traditional role as wife and mother, but when valuable books are stolen back in the library, threatening the home and institution she loves, she's forced to confront her shifting priorities head-on and may just lose everything in the process. 80 years later, in 1993, Sadie Donovan struggles the legacy of her grandfather, the famous essayist, Laura Lyons, especially. She struggles with the legacy of her grandmother, the famous essayist, Laura Lyons, especially after she's wrangled her dream job as a curator at the New York Public Library. But the job quickly becomes a nightmare when rare manuscripts, notes, and books for the exhibit Sadie's running begin disappearing from the library's famous bird collection. Determined to save both the exhibit and her career, the typically risk-averse Sadie teams up with a private security expert to uncover the culprit. However, things unexpectedly become personal when the investigation leads Sadie to some unwelcome truths about her own family heritage, truths that shed new light on the biggest tragedy in the library's history. So that one was about the New York Public Library. The address is centered around... Um, a building I think that someone lived in. After a failed apprenticeship, working her way up to head housekeeper of a posh London hotel is more than Sarah Smith ever thought she'd make of herself. But when a chance encounter with Theodore Camden, one of the architects of the Grand New York apartment house, the Dakota, leads to a job offer, her world is suddenly awash in possibility, no mean feat for a servant in 1884. The opportunity to move to America where a person can rise above one's station the opportunity to be the female manager of the Dakota, which promises to be the greatest apartment house in the world, and the opportunity to see more of Theo, who understands Sarah like no one else and is living in the Dakota with his wife and three young children. The Magnolia Palace is about is about 
There's one about art. I don't know. No, this is about a Gilded Age mansion. A Gilded Age mansion. And then another one. Is about art. So. Another one is about art, and that is the masterpiece. So, so yeah, and and every one of them, something happens, and you have to figure out what's what happens. Like there's a mystery. So in every one of these books, a landmark is also the character, but the main character is centered on a woman. So the a woman is the main character, but. It's really cool how the setting and like this landmark is also a character of the story. What else did I say? The Chelsea, I already read the one of oh, the dollhouse. That's, um, that is the Barbers and Hotel for Women. So that's another one. But those are always fun and interesting to read. Even though I haven't read them yet, I will. F I O N A. D-A-V-I-S. Natasha Lester. N-A-T-A-S-H-A-L-E-S-T-E-R. I haven't read any of her books, but I have some of them. So. Also. Centered around women. So she's written a few. And I can read the description of two of them. The Paris Secret, 2020. From the New York Times bestselling author of The Paris Orphan comes an unforgettable historical novel about a secret collection of Dior gowns that ties back to the first female pilots of World War II in a heartbreaking story of love and sacrifice. England, 1939. The Penrose sisters couldn't be more difficult. Sky is a daring and brash couldn't be more different. Skye is a daring and brash pilot, and Liberty, the one to defy her at every turn. Even if women aren't allowed in the Royal Air Force, Skye is determined to help the war effort. She's thrilled when it reunites her with her childhood soulmate, Nicholas. She's less thrilled to learn Nicholas is now engaged to an enigmatic French woman named Margot Jordan. Paris, 1947, designer Christian Dior, unveils his glamorous first collection to a world weary of war and grief. He names his debut fragrance, Miss Dior, in tribute to his beloved sister, Catherine, who forged a friendship with Sky and Margot through her work with the French Resistance. Present-day fashion conservator Kat Jordan discovers a priceless collection of Dior gowns in her grandmother's vacant cottage. As she delves into the mystery of their origin, Kat begins to doubt Everything she thought she knew about her beloved grandmother. Her books are usually in center. Um, her books are usually take her books usually take place in Paris. The Three Lives of Alex Saint Pierre, two thousand twenty-two, a compelling and lavish novel from the New York Times bestselling author about a young woman striving to. 
forget her part in the war by building life anew as a publicist at the just-launching House of Dior in Paris, 1943. After spearheading several successful advertising campaigns in New York, PR wizard Alex St. Pierre comes to the attention of the U.S. government and finds herself recruited into a fledging intelligence organization. Enlisted as a spy, Alex is sent to Europe where she is tasked with getting close to a Nazi who might be willing to help the Allied forces, forces, but there's also the chance he might be a double agent. 1946, following the war, Alex moves to Paris to run the service De La Presse for the yet-to-be-launched House of Christian Dior. But when a figure from the war reappears and threatens to destroy her future, Alex realizes that only she can right the wrongs of the past and bring him to justice. Three Lives of Alex St. Pierre is a thrilling, sumptuous work of historical fiction told in three timelines, before, during, and after World War II. This completely immersive story takes readers from the dangerous, intrigue-filled rooms in Switzerland, where elites of both sides mingled and schemed during the war to the glamorous halls of the House of Dior and the golden age of French fashion and journalism. Okay, so... She has a few books, and this is not in the right order, but The Paris Seamstress, The Paris Secret, The Paris Orphan, The Riviera House, The Three Lives of Alex St. Pierre, The Paris, I already read that one, A Kiss from Mr. Fitzgerald, Her Mother's Secret, The Disappearance of Astrid Ricard is her next one coming out this year, actually this month. And those are the historical fiction ones, I think. So she might have written other ones, but not historical fiction. I think she... So some of these authors, they in the beginning, they didn't write historical fiction, and they turned to it. So I'm just talking about the historical fiction novels. So the latest one, The Disappearance of Astrid Ricard... Three generations, one chance to prove themselves. Can the women of the Ricard fashion dynasty finally rewrite their history? French countryside present Blith Ricard is the daughter of famous fashion muses, but that doesn't mean she wants to be one. She turned her back on that world and her dreams years ago. Fate, however, has a different plan, and Blith will discover there is more to her iconic mother and grandmother than she ever knew. New York, 1970, designer Astrid Ricard arrives in Bohemian Chelsea, determined to change the fashion world forever, and she does, cast as Muster her lover, Hawk Jones, and when they are both invited to compete in the fashion event of the century, the Battle of Versailles, Astrid sacrifices everything to showcase her talent, but then, just as the career is about to take off, she mysteriously vanishes, leaving behind only a white silk dress. Paris, 1917, parentless, 16-year-old, Misa Burkhard has made to be a remembered on her own terms. Has made a to be remembered on her own terms. Her promise sustains her through turbulent decades and volatile culture, culture houses until finally her name is remembered and a legend is born. One that proves impossible for Astrid and Blith to distance themselves from. So the next author is Jill Paul. I haven't read any of her books, but they seem like so much fun. So I'm going to read all of her books or her, you know, ones about historical, that are historical fiction. I don't know if they all are, but the one, I have one of them and I haven't read it. The, what is it called? The Manhattan Girls, 2022. 
in a 1920s version of Sex and the City as Dorothy Parker, one of the wittiest women who ever wielded a pen, and her three friends navigate life, love, and careers in New York City. Perfect for fans of Fiona Davis, Beatrice Williams, and Renee Rosen. New York City, 1921. The war is over, fashions are daring, and bootleg liquor is abundant. Here are four extraordinary women from a bridge group that grows into a firm friendship. Dorothy Parker, a known wit member of the Algonquin Roundtable. And more fragile than she seems. Jane Grant, first female reporter to the New York Times, and determined to launch a new magazine she calls The New Yorker. Winifred Lenehan, beautiful and talented Broadway actress, a casting couch target, and Patty and Peggy Leach, magazine assistant by day, brilliant novelist by night. Their romances flourish and falter while their goals sometimes seem impossible to reach, and their friendship deepens against the backdrop of turbulent New York City, where new speakeasies open and close, jazz music flows through the air, and bathtub gin fills their glasses. They gossip, they comfort each other, and they offer support through the setbacks. But their biggest challenge is keeping the dear, their dear friend Dottie safe from herself. In this brilliant new novel from the best-selling and acclaimed author of Jackie and Maria and the Secret Wife, readers will fall right into the jazz age New York and into the inner lives of these groundbreaking groundbreaking influential women the jazz age is like one of my favorite um time periods to read to read about so anything that's in the background is fun so this is another one a beautiful rival a novel of helena rubenstein and Elizabeth Arden, 2023. In this stunning new novel, bestseller, bestselling author Jill Paul reveals the unknown history of cosmetic titans, Elizabeth Arden and Helena Rubenstein, and their infamous rivalry that spanned not only decades, but also broken marriages, personal tragedies in a world that was changing dramatically for women, perfect for fans of Fiona Davis, Marie Benedict, and Beatrice Williams. Who would have guessed that the business of making women beautiful was so cutthroat. They could have been allies, two self-made millionaires who invented a global industry in an era where, in an era when wife and mother were supposed to be the highest goals for their sex. Elizabeth Arden and Helena Rubenstein each founded empires built on grit and determination, and yet they became locked in a feud feud spanning three continents, two world wars, and the Great Depression. Brought up in poverty, Canadian-born Elizabeth Arden changed popular opinion, persuading women from all walks of life to buy skincare products that promised them youth and beauty. Helena Rubenstein left her native Poland and launched her company with scientific claims about her miracle creams made with anti-aging herbs. And when it comes to business, nothing was off limits. And when it came to business, nothing was off limits. Poaching each other's employees, copying each other's products, planting spies, hiring ex-husbands, and one-upping each other every chance they had, this was a rivalry from which there was no surrender, and through it all were two women, bold, brazen, and determined to succeed no matter the personal cost. In this sleeping novel from the best-selling author of Jackie Marie and the Manhattan Girls, two larger-than-life fashion icons come alive with all their passion, bitterness, and ambition as they try to live the American dream. So, I don't know. There's a few. The Secret Wife, Jackie and Maria, a novel of Jackie Kennedy and Maria Callas, Another Woman's Husband, Women and Children First, No Place for a Lady, The Lost Daughter, The Collector's Daughter, The Affair, and We Sink or Swim Together. Like, some of them, I don't know if they're historical fiction, though, but there's quite a bit. Definitely 
centered around women and their relationships with each other. Renee Rosen. Oh, how you how you spell Jill Paul? J sorry. G I L L P A U L. Renee Rosen. R E N E E R O S E N. I haven't read any for books either. But like the thing is, like all these authors I'm talking about, I do have some of their books, I just haven't read them yet, and I do want to read their books. Renee Rosen. Her books are about women as well, just like all these other authors I'm talking about. Park Avenue Summer, The Social Graces, Fifth Avenue Glamour Girl, What the Lady Wants, a novel of Marshall Field in the Gilded Age, Dollface, White Collar Girl, Windy City Blues. Okay, so Fifth Avenue Glamour Girl, 2023. In 1938, and a young, it's 1938, and a young woman selling face cream out of a New York City beauty parlor is determined to prove she can have it all. Her name is Estee Lauder, and she's about to take the world by storm in this dazzling new novel from the USA Today bestselling author of The Social Graces and Park Avenue Summer. In New York City, you can disappear into the crowd. At least that's what Gloria Downing desperately hopes as she tries to reinvent herself after a devastating family scandal. She's ready for a total life makeover and a friend she can lean on in... And into her path walks a young, idealistic woman named Estee. Their chance encounter will change Gloria's life forever. Estee dreams of success and becoming a household name like Elizabeth Arden, Helena Rubenstein, and Revlon. Before Gloria knows it, she is swept up in her new friend's mission. And while Estee rolls up her sleeves, Gloria begins to discover her own talents. After landing a job at Saks Fifth Avenue, New York's finest luxury luxury department store, Gloria finds her voice, which proves instrumental in opening doors for Estee's insatiable ambitions and but in a world unaccustomed to women with power they'll each have to pay the price that comes with daring to live life on their own terms and refusing to back down park avenue summer 2019 mad men meets The Devil Wears Prada as Renee Rosen draws readers into the glamour of 1965 New York City and and Cosmopolitan Magazine, where a brazen new editor-in-chief, Helen Gurley Brown, shocks America by daring to talk to women about all things off-limits. New York City is filled with opportunities for single girls like Alice Weiss, who lives who leaves her small Midwestern town to chase her big city dreams and unexpectedly lands a job of a lifetime working for Helen Gurley Brown, the first female editor-in-chief of a then-failing Cosmopolitan magazine. Nothing could have prepared Alice for the world she enters as editors and writers resign on the spot, refusing to work for the woman who wrote the scandalous bestseller Sex and the Single Girl. While confidential memos, article ideas, and cover designs keep finding their way into the wrong hands, someone tries to pull Alice into their into the scheme to sabotage her boss. But Alice remains loyal and becomes all the more determined to help Helen succeed. As pressure mounts at the magazine and Alice struggles to make her way in New York, she quickly learns that in Helen Gurry Brown's world, Brown's world, a woman can demand to have it all. So it seems like her books have strong women characters that aren't going to listen to anyone. They're going to do what they're going to do. So I love that. Patty Callahan Henry, P-A-T-T-I, 
C-A-L-L-A-H-A-N-H-E-N-R-Y. So you may know Patty Callahan Henry from Friends in Fiction. That's how I found out about her. And she is with three other authors, Christy Woodson Harvey, Kristen Harmel, and Mary Kay Andrews. And they have a show that they have every week where they talk to each other and they talk with other authors. So that's always fun and I always love listening to that. They also have a podcast. So she used to write women's fiction and then she went to historical fiction. Still haven't read any of her books, but I do have some of them. So the only, honestly, I can't believe it, but the only two authors I've, there's only two authors I've read on this list, which is Carrie Mayher and Beatrice Williams. But at least I know that these are authors I want to read as well. Becoming Mrs. Lewis, The Secret Book of Flora Leah, Surviving Savannah, Once Upon a Wardrobe. Those are her books that are historical fiction. The rest of them are not. She has quite a bit, though, that were not. So just four that are historical fiction. Once Upon a Wardrobe. From Patty Callahan, this was in 2021. From Patty Callahan, this book it just says Patty Callahan, but some of them say Patty Callahan Henry. So... The best-selling author of Becoming Mrs. Lewis comes another enchanting story that pulls back the curtain on the early life of C.S. Lewis. Where did Narnia come from? The answer will change everything. Meg's Devonshire is brilliant with numbers and equations on a scholarship at Oxford and dreams of solving the greatest mysteries of physics. She prefers the dependability of facts except for one, the younger brother she loves with all her heart doesn't have long to live. When George becomes captivated by a copy of a brand new book called The Lion, The Witch in the Wardrobe, and begs her to find out where Narnia came from, there's no way she can refuse. Despite her timidity about approaching the famous author, Megs soon finds herself taking tea with the Oxford Don and his own brother, imploring them for answers. What she receives instead are more stories, stories of Jack Lewis's life, which she takes home to George. Why won't Mr. Lewis just tell her plainly what George wants to know? The answer will reveal to Meg many truths that science and math cannot, and the gift she thought she was going to her brother, she was giving to her brother, the story behind Narnia turns out to be his gift to her instead, hope. Becoming Mrs. Lewis, 2018. In a most improbable friendship, she found love. In a world where women were silenced, she found her voice. From New York Times bestselling author Patty Callahan comes an exquisite novel of Joy Davidman, the, whim, the woman C.S. Lewis called My Whole World. When poet and writer Joy Davidman began writing letters to C.S. Lewis, known as Jack, she was looking for spiritual answers, not love. Love, after all, wasn't holding together her crumbling marriage. Everything about New Yorker Joy seemed ill-matched for an Oxford Don and the beloved writer of Narnia. Yet their minds bonded over their letters. Embarking on the adventure of her life, Joy traveled from America to England and back again, facing heartbreak and poverty, discovering friendship and faith, and against all odds, finding a love that even the threat of death couldn't destroy. In this masterful exploration of one of the greatest love stories of modern times, we meet a brilliant writer, a fiercely independent mother, and a passionate woman who changed the life of this respected author and inspired books that still enchant us and change us. Joy lived in a time... Joy lived at a time when women weren't meant to have a voice, and yet her love for Jack gave them both voices they didn't know they had. At once a fascinating historical novel and a glimpse into a writer's life, Becoming Mrs. Lewis is about all is above all a love story, a love of literature and ideas, and a love between a husband and a wife that, in the end, was not impossible at all. 
Surviving Savannah, 2021. When Savannah history professor Everly Winthrop is asked to guest curate a new museum collection focused on artifacts recovered from the steamship Pulaski, she's shocked. The ship sank after a boiler explosion in 1838 and the wreckage was just discovered 180 years later. Everly can't resist the opportunity to try to solve some of the mysteries and myths surrounding the devastating night of its sinking. Everly's research leads her to the astounding history of a family of 11 who boarded the Pulaski together in this extraordinary stories and the extraordinary stories of two women known from this family, a known survivor, Augusta Longstreet, and her niece, Lily Forsyth, who was never found along with her child. These aristocratic women were part of Savannah's society, but when the ship exploded, each was faced with difficult and heartbreaking decisions. There is a moving and powerful exploration of women. This is a moving and powerful exploration of what women will do to endure in the face of tragedy, the role fate plays, and the myriad ways we survive the surviving. The Secret Life, The Secret Book of Flora Leah. 2023. When a woman discovers a rare book that has connections to her past, long-held secrets about her missing sister and their childhood spent in the English countryside during World War II are revealed. In the war-torn London of 1939, 14-year-old Hazel and 5-year-old Flora are evacuated to a rural village to escape the horrors of the Second World War. Living with a kind, living with a kind Bridie Aberdeen and her teenage son Harry in a charming stone cottage along the River Thames. Thames, Hazel fills their days with walks and games to distract her young sister, including one that she creates for her sister and her sister alone. A fairy tale about a magical land, a secret place that can escape, that they can escape to that is all their own. But the unthinkable happens when young Flora suddenly vanishes while playing near the banks of the river. Shattered, Hazel blames herself for her sister's disappearance and she carries that guilt into adulthood as a private burden she feels that she deserves. Twenty. Years later, Hazel is in London, ready to move on from her job at a cozy rare bookstore to a career at Sotheby's. When his charming boyfriend and elegantly time-worn Bloomsbury flat, Hazel's future seems determined, but her tidy life is turned upside down when she unwraps a package containing an illustrated book called Whisperwood in the River of Stars. Hazel would Hazel never told a soul about the imaginary world she created just for Floral. Could this book hold the secrets to Flora's disappearance? Could it be a sign that her beloved sister is still alive after all these years? As Hazel embarks on a feverish quest, revisiting long dormant relationships and bravely opening wounds from her past, her career, and her future hang in the balance. An astonishing twist ultimately reveals the truth in this transporting and refreshingly original novel about the bond between sisters, the complications of complicated love, and the complications of conflicted love, and the enduring magic of storytelling. So all her books are very different from each other about very different things, but they're all centered around a woman. And they seem really interesting and fun to read, very rich with the setting that they're in as well as relationships that these women have in their lives. So, those are the historical fiction authors I want to read. And I have read some. So I hope if you like historical fiction like I do, you'll get into these authors' books too. Now... There is another author that I think is worth mentioning. Her name is Marie Benedict. M-A-R-I-E 
B-N-E-D-I-C-T. The Only Woman in the Room, 2019. She was beautiful. She was a genius. Could the world handle both? A novel about Hetty Lamar. Hetty Keisler is lucky. Her beauty leads to a starring role in a controversial film in marriage to a powerful Austrian arms dealer, allowing her to evade Nazi persecution despite her Jewish heritage. But Hetty is also intelligent at lavish Vienna dinner parties. She overhears the third Rach's plans. One night in 1937, desperate to escape her controlling husband and the rise of the Nazis, she disguises herself and flees her husband's castle. She lands in Hollywood, where she becomes Hedy Lamar, screen star. But Hedy is keeping a secret even more shocking than her Jewish heritage. She is a scientist. She has an idea that might help the country and that might ease her guilt for escaping alone if anyone will listen to her. That seems interesting. The Personal Librarian. 2021 this is a previously published edition okay never mind the remarkable little known story of bella of Belle da costa green jp morgan's personal librarian who became one of the most powerful women in new york despite the dangerous secrets she kept in order to make her dreams come true from new york times bestselling author marie benedict and acclaimed author victoria christopher murray murray oh, this is another author too yep so In her 20s, Belle Costa Green is hired by J.P. Morgan to curate a collection of rare manuscripts, books, and artwork for his newly built Pierpont Morgan Library. Belle becomes a fixture in the New York society scene and one of the most powerful people in the art and book world. Known for her impeccable taste and shrewd negotiating for critical works as she helps build a world-class collection. But Belle has a secret, one she must protect at all costs. She was not born... She was born not Belle de Costa Green, but Belle Marion Greener. She is the daughter of Richard Greener, the first black graduate of Harvard and a well-known advocate for equality. Belle's complexion isn't dark because of her alleged Portuguese heritage that lets her pass as white. Her complexion is dark because she's African-American. The personal librarian tells the story of an extraordinary woman famous for her intellect, style, and wit, and shares the links to which she must go for the protection of her family and her legacy to preserve her carefully crafted white identity in the racist world in which she lives. And another one, the other Einstein. Okay, so wait here. Okay, the personal librarian, the only woman in the room, Carnegie's maid, the other Einstein, the mystery of Mrs. Christie, Lady Clementine, the first ladies. That's also with Victoria Christopher Murray. Her Hidden Genius. The Mitford Affair. So all her books seem to be centered around a historical female figure. Her Hidden Genius, 2022. From the New York Times bestselling author of the mystery of Mrs. Christie and co-author of The Personal Librarian, Rosalind Franklin has always been an outsider, brilliant but different. Whether working at the laboratory she adored in Paris or toiling at a university in London, she feels closest to the science, those unchanging laws of physics and chemistry that guide her experiments. When she is assigned to work on DNA, she believes she can unearth its secrets. Rosalind knows if she just takes one more x-ray picture, one more after thousands, she can unlock the building box of life. Never again will she have to listen to her colleagues complain about her, especially Maurice Wilkins, who'd rather conspire about genetics 
with James Watson and Francis Crick, then work alongside her. And then it finally happens. The double helix structure of DNA reveals itself to her with perfect clarity. But what unfolds next, Rosalind could never have predicted. Marie Benedict's powerful new novel shines a light on a woman who sacrificed her life to discover the nature of her very DNA. A woman whose world-changing contributions were hidden by the men around her, but whose relentless drive advanced our understanding of humankind. Pivotal figures in history that were women. Those are what her books center around, center on. So yeah, that's another one worth reading. Lady Clementine. For me, this was 2020. From Marie Benedict, the New York Times bestselling author of The Only Woman in the Room, comes an incredible novel that focuses on one of the people who had most, who had the most influence during World War One and World War Two. Clementine Churchill. In 1909, Clementine Churchill steps off a train with her new husband, Winston. An angry woman emerges from the crowd to attack, shoving him in the direction of an oncoming train. Just before he stumbles, Clementine grabs him by his suit jacket. This will not be the last time Clementine Churchill saves her husband. Lady Clementine is a ferocious story of the brilliant and ambitious woman beside Winston Churchill, the story of a partner who did not flinch through the sweeping darkness of war and who would not surrender either to expectations or to enemies. So yeah, definitely about strong women. So I hope that if you love historical fiction and you haven't read any of these authors' books or you haven't read all of their books, you can get into that and it'll be fun for you. Next week, I'll be talking about movies. This turned into a long episode, I'm sorry, because I read the descriptions of books because I haven't read them yet. So I didn't have much to say about them. That is why I just want to read the descriptions of them to you so that you can get an idea of what they're about and you can go on Goodreads yourself to read them if you want to read the descriptions and to get into them. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for being here. If you love this podcast, you know, share it with people you know who you think will love it too. Rate it on Spotify and leave an honest review on Apple.